You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. At this time, we ask that you turn off all cell phones. Unless, of course, you're using them to listen to this podcast, in which case, please keep it on. And please refrain from any flash photography, as it is dangerous to the performers of this podcast. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't you see? It's so simple. Step one, we Google the biggest flops on Broadway. Step two, we find the crazy stories behind them. Step three, we see how they lose millions of dollars. Millions? Broadway isn't cheap. A lot of fancy people want to be producers. Step four, find out why the show won't go on. Step five, end this episode and head to Times Square. Times Square? That'll never work. Only Broadway successes are in Times Square. (laughs) Oh, ye of little faith. (laughs) We're a pair. Do you know the, do you know, remember the words? The space goes down, down, baby, down by the roller coaster. Sweet, sweet, baby, I'll never let you go. Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa pop, shimmy, shimmy, rock. Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa pop, shimmy, shimmy, rock. I met a girlfriend, a Trisket. She said a Trisket, a biscuit, ice cream, soda, pop, vanilla on the top. Ooh, Shalita, walking down the street ten times a week. I meant it, I said it, I stole my mama's credit. I'm cool, I'm hot, I'll sock you in the summer three more times. Oh, man, I'm out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty nifty. Freaking love that rap. So much. <laughs> who doesn't? First of all, who doesn't love 80s movies? Yeah. That's number one. That's number one. <laughs> and, like, even kids that were not, that did not grow up in the 80s can appreciate the fact that our cinema was by far superior to that of cinema today. 100%. I'm sad for my niece and nephews. And yeah. The, it's Being bad. talked down to. Ugh. So good. So, guys. So, hi. <laughs> Welcome to uh, Theater Geeks Anonymous. The show where we talk about Broadway flops, scandals, and new works. Who fails, who sues, we tell their stories. And we are going to tell it. <laughs> she did that with Tom Hanks enthusiasm. <laughs> I did. It was excellent. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> well, today's episode. If you didn't a, already guess. Right, if you didn't, y'all need to go back and you need to watch the movie big. <laughs> yes, you do. Because somebody didn't teach you right. Because you should have been watched it already. 
You should have. You should have. I mean, big. Yeah, big. We big. don't have to say anything else. No. I mean, that's the whole reason 13 on going on 30 even happened. Mm-hmm. I also love that movie. I, Super cute. I never saw it. That's the one with Zac Efron, right? No. No, that's 17 again. Oh. <laughs> 13 going on 30 is with um, uh, Alias, Jennifer. Oh, Jennifer Garner. Yeah. Love her. I don't think I did see that one either. It's super cute. It's her and um, oh gosh, she was just in the play with Danny DeVito. <laughs> oh lord, I don't know. It'll come to me at the end of this episode, and I'm <laughs> sure if you're listening, you're screaming his name at me right now. But it's literally fallen out of my brain. His face is right there, but I don't know his name right now. Sorry. Okay, so <laughs> so today we're gonna talk about. Big the musical. Yes, we are. Well, you are, and I'm going to listen intently. <laughs> uh, we we went with the back-to-school theme. Yep. So Pamela is doing a show that's about some high school kids, and I'm doing a couple shows about high school slash this one is middle school. So if you have not seen the movie, a very short synopsis is... Josh uh, Baskin is his name, and he's about 12 years old, and he's a little bit on the shorter side, and he likes this girl at school. And so this one day, he's at a carnival with his best friend, Billy, and uh, he goes to this machine called Zoltar, and he puts in, like, a quarter or whatever you have to put mm-hmm. in, some, some change, and Zoltar says, make a wish. So Josh makes a wish because he's just been humiliated because he had to go. He went to uh, try to get on a roller coaster and he was not tall enough. Mm-hmm. It's extremely embarrassing when you are 12 years old. In front of the girl you like. Yes. And are told you can't get on a ride. So he asked Zoltar to be big. He probably should have said taller. Josh he didn't just say taller. Big. He just said big. Right? You know how genies work. You have to be very you have explicit. To be very, very specific about what your needs are. Yes. He wasn't specific about what his needs were. And so. He said something. The, the most ambiguous word. very vague. It was very vague. But so, he's 12. So he's I guess 12. we can't really blame him. I know. He didn't know. He was a big. Big means big. He, he <laughs> thought Zoltar understood. He was Zoltar. mistaken did not so the next morning he wakes up as a 30 year old man (laughs) in his bunk bed in his in his 12 year old pajamas yes actually (laughs) was he in pajamas yeah because i remember whitey tidies they were like kids yeah i I think you're right and he grabbed something out of the laundry maybe that was what he grabbed out of the laundry because he didn't have he tried to he tried to put on his kid clothes, but I mean, he's Tom Hanks size. Right. So that's not working. <laughs> and scares his mother half to death, which was played by Mercedes Rule. And uh, she's screaming and screaming and screaming. And he runs out of the house half dressed in like something that was probably his father's, mm-hmm. like a giant's t shirt and stuff. Um, and like runs up the street. And he's a kid. So he's like crying. And he's like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. So he goes to his school and scares his best friend half to death. And that's when he has to do the, ooh, Shalita, walking down the street (laughs) 10 times a week so that his best friend knows that it's him because he's a 30-year-old man now. So as the story goes on, he ends up getting a job at a uh, a toy manufacturing company. They're like... 
They're called Macmillan Toys. And so he was, he started out in data entry. And then one day he was hanging out with his friend Billy and the CEO and founder of Macmillan Toys was there. And they ended up playing chopsticks on the big piano that was there. And the founder basically fell in love with him like he was the son he always wanted, even though he already had a son, but doesn't <laughs> like his son as much as he likes Josh. And so Josh, like, goes up to sea level all of a sudden mm -hmm. because he has really great insights about toys because he's a child. <laughs> and, uh, and he just says exactly what he thinks because he's a child. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He makes all this money, has this great apartment, falls in love with a girl who's Tom Hanks' age, not actual Josh Baskin' age, which is a little well, It's a little disturbing. When, really when I watched it, it as an adult, I felt that way, too. Yeah. But, like, as a kid, I didn't think anything of it. Right. Me neither. But um, anyway, so he gets higher up and then falls in love with the girl, realizes, I actually want to be a kid, goes back to Zoltar, asks to be a kid again. Has to tell the girl that he fell in love with that he's actually 13 <laughs> at this point because he had a birthday. Yeah. And she drops him off at home. As, and as he's walking home, he shrinks back down to 13-year-old Josh Baskin size. <laughs> and hugs his mom around the neck. Yeah. In New Jersey. <laughs> and that's how that is. It's such a good movie. I freaking love that movie. I love it so much. I really love it. So because it's so well-loved... The writers and producers thought this would be a great idea. Now, a quick thing about the movie details. The film opened on June 3rd, 1988. It cost $18 million to make and grossed $151 million at the box office, wow. which is about $192 million in 2017 money. Sheesh. The film was distributed by 20th Century Fox and obviously was a major hit for the company. Um, the movie was written by Gary Ross and Ann Spielberg. And the film, everyone, most people know this, was directed by Penny Marshall. So going down to that theater life. <laughs> <laughs> David Shire is a celebrated film and theater composer, and he is married to Dee Dee Kahn. Does oh, everyone know who Dee Dee Kahn is? Yes. Clue. Yes. And... Oh, what else did she do? It's, it's on the, the tip of most, my brain. Mo it's like the one everyone knows her for. <laughs> Victor Victoria? Frenchie. Oh, yeah, of course. It's <laughs> Frenchie in Greece. Everyone knows Frenchie. Do you know what? I wasn't what? thinking Didi Khan. I was thinking Didi Khan uh, name-wise, and I knew her, but I was thinking face-wise. Someone else. Oh. Who was in, um, who wasn't her in Clue? Mrs. No. Peacock in Clue. That's who oh. I was thinking. Oh, yeah, no, it's not that's her. not the same I know who it's not her, but who is yes. that? No, that's going to drive me crazy. Remember. Oh, that's two people, guys. <laughs> it's bad. Two people we have to come up with before this episode is over. We're really scoring today. <laughs> it's this heat. It fried our it brains. Is. That's what happened. It's poached in there inside <laughs> my skull. So David Shire and Dee Dee are married. Mm -hmm. and uh, What else has David Shire done? Because I know that name. Well, he's, like, well-known for, like, TV stuff. Okay. Um, uh, so one evening after she saw the video of Big, she says to her husband, what about Big as a musical? But David didn't think that the rights would be possible to get, but Dee Dee still has friends at 20th Century Fox because that's who distributed Grease. Yeah. So she calls up her friend, Lawrence Mark, who was one of the producers on Grease, but also a producer on... Um, 
on Big. Okay. And then he calls his friend James L. Brooks, who is also a producer on the movie. Okay. And that's how they get the rights. That's awesome. Wives are the best. Okay. (laughs) So once the rights were secured, Shire reached out to two previous collaborators. First, he reached out to lyricist Richard Maltby Jr. Oh. Who Shire had written the show, Baby. That's why I know Shire. Because Maltby and Shire. Yep. I didn't put it together until just then. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Yep. Uh, They wrote the show, Baby. And many songs, uh, but that, but by that point, none of the songs that they had written had been in shows that were particularly, uh, they were flops, mm. is the truth. And so they did have a musical review of their mu- their songs in 1976 called Starting Here, Starting Now, which is one of their songs. Yes. And, uh, which is one of the songs they won a Grammy for. Um... Then they also reached out to uh, producer James B. Friedberg, and Friedberg had produced Baby for Maltby and Shire. Friedberg and Lawrence Mark brought on John Weidman, and he wrote the book for Big. Weidman is known for writing the books of Anything Goes, Assassins, and Pacific Overtures. So <laughs> it's not like they it's don't know It's not their first time around the no, block. No, no. Yeah. Um, Friedberg was able to attract... Ringling Brothers producer Kenneth Feld and former baby and original LaCaja Fall producer Kenneth D. Greenblatt, who ended up being the largest single producer, contributing five million dollars. Whoa. Which is half of what the show ended up costing. Oh, okay. Um, And then the final investor was FAO Schwartz. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um. FAO still had the piano in the store and big was like their biggest selling um, movie in their video section. So they, they still felt like big is like their favorite movie. Yeah. Uh, Friedberg spoke with John Eiler, who's the president and CEO of FAO Schwartz at the time. And John stated that big was the company's favorite movie. Um, And FAO was able to supply toys for the McMillan toy scenes. They made a custom, uh, nine foot stuffed bear (laughs) for uh, a prop that gets danced with. Oh, that's fun. Um, And then the piano in the musical, uh, they, so they, they supplied a mold of the piano in the store for the musical in, for the piano in the musical. Okay. Because it's like apparently a happy face shape. Now, by the time I actually got to FAO shorts, the like, Happy face shape piano was gone, and you just had like the sticky thing. It was yeah. just like glued to the floor, and you could step on it, which I'm telling you was a major letdown. Oh, because I loved big, so yeah. I wanted an actual piano. You wanted to do chopsticks yes. with your legs, but no, it was just like the stick, the sticky sticker, huge sticker, and you could still jump did- on it, and it made oh, it did no, make a yeah, sound, but it was like it meh. just wasn't the same. It's not the same. Okay, so <laughs> in the end, after all of their contributions, even though um, the CEO wouldn't actually talk numbers, it's estimated that FAO ended up investing about a million dollars into the musical. Okay, so the show cost $10 million and did a four-week tryout in Detroit at the Fisher Theater where it premiered on February 13th, 1996. The set designer 
was Robin Wagner, and the costumes were by William Ivy Long. <laughs> Your I, favorite. I love him. Uh, the choreography was by Susan Stroman, and so she managed to incorporate the nine-foot bear. Of course. Into her choreography. And the musical direction was by Paul Gemignani. And uh, the musical was directed by Mike Okrand. Okay. The set was extraordinary because it had a moving roller coaster in the cool. carnival scenes. Yeah. Um, and then a recreation of FAO Schwartz as well as a two-story set for the New Jersey neighborhood scenes. Very cool. So it was extremely expensive. When the show opened at the Fisher Theater uh, and the reviews came in, one review stood out among the rest. Good or bad? <laughs> it's an article... That was written by Chris Jones. And here, here are some quotes. The characters never connected. The comedy lacks timing. The relationships are largely devoid, devoid of warmth and believability. And the production consequently fails to stir the hearts of an audience too busy watching its mechanics. Well. So he felt like the set uh, overpowered. Yeah. Um, but he did extol the virtues of Susan Stroman's choreography. Um, and he, I mean, of course, Wagner's set was incredible. So yeah. you can't say that, like, you know, that wasn't amazing. But he didn't feel like the story stood on its own. It's yeah. Like the, if it overwhelms the story. Right. And you, you just feel like, from what I gathered from reading this particular review, he felt like if you didn't have this incredible set and these, like, costumes and this choreography, the show would be like nothing like mm-hmm. he, he wouldn't feel anything he wouldn't yeah. be entertained well that is the true test of a show i've heard that said before yeah. where if you can do it in a black box theater with no costumes no sets no blocking right. and you can still tell the story then it's a great show right with this uh, with this scathing article changes must be made um you think <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but if you read the article jones didn't really believe that rewrites could save the show Okay. Uh, but no one works on a show for years because they worked on this for about five years and gives up. Right. It's not how theater works. No. So, okay. So one of the things they did was, like, the piano. Everyone knows he plays chopsticks. Well, instead of playing chopsticks, they sing and dance to this song called Fun. Okay. So they changed that because everyone wants to see... Josh and the CEO play chopsticks. They still kept the song fun, but they just moved it to a different okay. a different area. Um, at the end of the Detroit run, four new songs were added to Act 1, and two were majorly rewritten. The closing song of the first act was rewritten, and the second FAO short scene was scrapped completely. Also, Josh was rewritten, because oh. they felt like the actor who was playing Josh was trying to do a Tom Hanks impersonation. Oh, okay. And so he wasn't really making it his own. Yeah. Um, and so they did rewrite the character also because they wanted it to feel more like if 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 Chris Jones' um, problem with the show was that, like, he didn't feel the heart, mm-hmm. that, like, Josh is the heart of the show. Yeah. So, um, so they re- rewrote his part trying to fix it. Okay. Did they replace the actor or just... Re- Same okay. actor. Okay. It's just they rewrote the, okay. the part. 
Um, okay, the company didn't go through the new big until seven days before the first preview of the Broadway production on April 2nd, 1996. Uh-oh. So just so you know who the cast is, Daniel Jenkins was adult Josh. Krista Moore played Josh's love interest. John Cipher was the CEO and founder of Macmillan Toys. Patrick Levis, I hope I'm saying the name right, <laughs> is little Josh. Brett Tabasell is Josh's best friend, Billy. And... Barbara Walsh played his mother. So she sings one song everyone knows stop from the show. Time. Yeah, Stop Time. Yep. She sang Stop Time. And I listened to the soundtrack, and uh, I agree with all the reviews that that's the best song. Yeah, show. it really it's is. It's really true. So um, Shire and Malby confessed that they were having trouble getting into the mind of a teenager to write the show. Shire basically <laughs> sa- said... How can you if they don't want to talk to you? <laughs> oh, poor David. I know. I mean, it's a true thing about teenagers, right? It's like they're very just like brooding sometimes. And I mean, I was not. I don't know that I was. I don't think I was either. No. But if like you didn't want to talk to me about feelings. musical theater, I'd have been like, get away. Yeah, bye. <laughs> uh, and he just lamented about like, Teenagers can be moody, and it's funny because if you listen to the soundtrack, there's like a song about moody teenagers. <laughs> it's like the opening song about why don't they brush their hair and why don't they do this and why don't they do all of these things. I mean, also the plot is difficult because the protagonist gets his desires at the very beginning of the story. Okay, yeah, right. So you usually when you're watching a show, like it takes the whole show. It takes the whole show for the protagonist to get what he wants but the protagonist in this case gets what he wants immediately and what you're actually waiting for is for him to realize what he thought he wanted is not actually what he needs right exactly susan stroman created a hip-hop influenced choreography and she had about six dedicated ensemble members and most of them were children and she quoted and she said these kids use acrobatics and act when they dance because she felt like most uh, kids in shows were just skipping around. <laughs> she was like, we're not having that. No, they're yeah. going to work for it. That's right. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So Big began previews at the Schubert Theater on April 8th, 1996 and opened on April 28th, 1996. The New York Times review by Vincent Canby was pretty favorable. Um, some things he said were whatever the collaborators did in Detroit has paid off. Among other things, Big is at long last an answer to Beauty and the Beast. Wow. He said, here's a show for kids who have outgrown fairy tales but aren't yet so jaded that a stroll through FAO shorts doesn't aggravate their itch to acquire. Which, of course, could mean that it's for people of any age. Big comes to a dead halt only once when Josh's mother, Barbara Walsh, must sing Stop Time in which she laments the loss of her son. She has a lovely voice, and the song is quite nice. But Big is as much about lonely moms as it is about the problem of runaway children. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, he talks about Stroman and how amazing her choreography is. 
and all the amazing things that the children do. So Big had 22 previews and 193 performances at the Schubert Theater, and it closed on October 13, 1996, having received five Tony nominations. Wow. But walking away empty-handed. In the end, <laughs> the reason why it's on the show is because it is a flop. It did lose the entirety of its $10.3 million. Oh. So at the cool. time, <laughs> at the time it was... It was the, uh, what did they say? At the time, it was like one of the biggest flops of all time. If you translate what it lost into 2017 money, that's about $16 million. Okay. Um, but then the musical was retooled and scaled down. So the new, new big, because we already had a new big that right. came to Broadway. So now <laughs> we have like a new, new big. Uh, was done in Delaware in November of 1997. And then, more recently, uh, the Mufti series that happens at the York Theater. Um, John Tartaglia played the lead role. I bet he was great in it. Yeah. And in fact, okay, so one of the... He was in Avenue Q. Yeah. If you don't know who... uh, John John Tartaglia. Tartaglia. He's... Yeah, I bet he would be really good. So that, that was actually... With the like, one the a lot of the reviews said John like he was perfect mm-hmm. in the role, but another huge problem with the show is something that Pamela and I talked about at the beginning of this episode is that you have this man who is actually twelve and thirteen years of age, yeah, who is quote unquote falling in love question yeah. mark with a woman who's in her thirties, right, and so. I think it's the a movie major problem. Yeah. The movie did such a brilliant because I mean Tom Hanks never lost that 12-year-old edge. Right. I mean like 12, 13-year-old boys are all just prepubescent right. but they're just on the cusp of that. So they're going to get those little bursts of hormones. So right. that stuff is going to happen. But Tom Hanks still played it like this is just a girl-boy friendship. Right. But I think, and I can't remember her name right now, but the woman that played it in the movie, the Mm -hmm. love interest in the movie, was so desperate. You know, she had this air of desperation to her to, to, you know, she finally found a man that can appreciate her and have fun with her and that she can have fun with. And, like, she just was so blinded by that that I think that she didn't see the signs that he wasn't truly age-appropriate. Well, but the thing is, too, is, like, if you... It's it's like why you just would never that doesn't happen. Right. You know, and so she is a a world like a woman of the world. She is like a grown up. Uh-huh. Like there's no way she would pot like why would you even be at a carnival in her head? You know what I mean? <laughs> like she act she did end up going to the carnival yeah. with, with Josh in the movie, but like why would you do like she would never think that this was something that would ever be possible right. so his lightheartedness and his joy and his energy she just was like this is just a grown-up man that has all these things mm-hmm. like there it would never enter your mind that right. he went to some music mu- like some magical box and is actually 12 or 13 <laughs> right um but so the problem was with the musical is that that age difference was highlighted even more. Okay. And there's this the scene, if you remember in the movie, the scene where Josh and her basically end up having sex. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in the musical, <laughs> they did something which honestly makes it, it it makes it more creepy. Oh no! Because you had the scene where they're uh, like kissing or whatever, and then. You had little Josh on the stage, too. No. I'm dead serious. And he's, like, singing. And so he's, like, doing, like, this inner song, like, monologue. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so when you listen, if you listen to the soundtrack, you will know the song I'm talking about immediately. Oh, my gosh, Ebony. That's, I feel a little gross. Right. Right. That makes me feel a little gross. Right. And so... That was another major problem. So even when they did it at Mufti with John mm-hmm. Tartaglia and he's great there, everyone still was like, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, finally, just a couple of quotes from a New York times article uh, by William Grimes. Uh, Looking back, Mr. Okrent and Mr. Weidman agree that big had lost its way in Detroit. Um, they said, we discovered the vitality that the kids dancing brings to it. Said Mr. Okrent. When we got away from that, the life went away from the show. For Mr. Shire, it's been humbling. We're supposed to be professionals with 100 years experience, but it's taken four or five years to get it working right. Okay. So they felt like that um, in, like, in, I, I believe this came out, like, during the previews, where they were about to start previews for the Broadway production. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they've never given up on the show, obviously, because even after the show yeah. closed on Broadway, they still were retooling mm-hmm. and working with it so that it could premiere uh, a new, new version in Delaware. Right. Um, and then again, that came back to Mufti. But, you know, if by chance Shire, <laughs> Weidman, <laughs> any of you guys are listening, maybe don't have Josh on the stage at the same time. Yeah. Like, that's that's weird because i feel you know when i first watched it when i was a very little kid yeah i didn't even occur to me that they were having sex right right like that and, would never have occurred to me right and and of course like you don't the most you see is like you see her bra right right and then you just as and then as he says an adult something like, now you're like i guess oh. be on top and of course, he means the bunk bed. <laughs> oh no, no, no! So that scene happens before. Oh, okay. Because when they have sex oh, at that's her right. apartment. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So right. So I mean, you don't really see much, and then you just figure, as an adult now, I'm like, oh, I know what happened. But like Pamela said, as a kid, I didn't no. know what was happening. <laughs> I was like, why is her bra showing? You know, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It was, yeah, it was like six when this came out, and I didn't even see it in the theater. I saw no. it on television. Yeah, because it was on TBS all the time, or yeah. TNT, one of those. It was like every Saturday it was, it was on. So that's how I watched it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so having Josh there, it yeah. just it takes away from the innocence of the movie. Mm-hmm. Or, of, yeah, the innocence of, of the movie. The, and the show, yeah. yeah. So that's it. All right, little Joshy. Gosh, what a great movie that is, though. I just love that movie movie so much. Because you're, I mean, you mentioned it before. It's like the protagonist never gets what he wants at the beginning of the movie. But you're right in that through line through the movie and in the show. But I haven't seen the show. I've only seen the movie. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you see him really become a man. Right. After becoming a man. Right. Like, it's really, it's an interesting, (laughs) yeah, and Tom Hanks is just so good. He's, He's wonderful in that. 
I love that movie so Me much. Me too. I'm, I'm sad the show didn't, didn't work. Me too. <laughs> well, it's still, I mean, it still does regional performances. Yeah, it does a lot. Regional, community theater. So mm. maybe they'll have a new, new, new big someday. <laughs> and, and maybe they'll take out that scene. Right. Because <laughs> it's really not necessary. No. No, like just having, just having Big Josh and her is enough. You don't yeah. need to have little Josh there. No. So, but I wish I had seen John Tartaglia. Yeah, I bet he would have been really good. Yeah. He's kind of a 12-year-old and a 30-year-old body 100%. anyway. 100%. Like, perfect. <laughs> the casting on that is perfection. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, that's it for big guys. Thanks for coming to listen. Uh, well, you can follow us on Twitter at TGA. B-way. And also, <laughs> please share, like, follow, subscribe on iTunes mm-hmm. at Theater Geeks Anonymous. If you rate and review us, it will help us to stay in the new and noteworthy category, hopefully. Or get in there. Or get in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so that we can uh, kind of be at the top of the list when people are searching for new podcasts. That would be really helpful. Awesome. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, Theater Geeks Anonymous. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, if you saw the show big in its original yes. conception, let us know. That would be amazing. You can send us an email at TGAB at gmail.com or if you were in a community theater production a regional know. production and you had a ton of fun let us know about it uh, also if you are an android user like <laughs> i am we are on soundcloud oh yes so if you go to soundcloud.com or you just have the app mm-hmm. and you put in theater geeks anonymous ta-da there we are there it is <laughs> oh there you have it soundcloud <laughs> I don't have an Android. I have an iPhone. So I have to do the iTunes rigmarole. <laughs> but you can follow us on, on SoundCloud and yeah. you'll get every the same episode. episode. They're the same episodes. Exactly the same. Yep. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Have Catch a great you day. next time. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.